Apparently, we all have a book inside of us somewhere. Not sure where mine is right now. But if you have aspirations to become a published author, then you're going to love today's episode. I'm interviewing the lovely Julie Cordner, who is a fiction and non-fiction published author. Not only is she on Amazon and Kindle, but she's also in bookstores and libraries, so she knows a thing or two. And in today's enlightening chat, we talk about the differences between writing fiction and non-fiction, so depending on what it is you want to write, how to get into a daily writing habit, the benefits of publishing independently versus traditional publishing, and loads more. Check out the interview. Hopefully, like me, it's going to spur you into action. Wouldn't you love to build a business you can run from anywhere in the world, whether that be your kitchen table or a beach in Fiji? Well, you're in the right place. Welcome to Your Lifestyle Business, the show where I bring you into my life as a traveling entrepreneur and along with some of my awesome guests, give you tips and strategies for building your own freedom business. Welcome to the show. Let's make it happen. All right, we are live. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Joe here of Your Lifestyle Business, and I'm here with the lovely Julie Cordina. Am I saying that right, Julie? Julie Cordina? Um, Now, Julie um, and I have known each other virtually for a little while. Um, Julie is uh, part of the Your Lifestyle Business uh, group, community group, um, and also the sister of our beloved uh, Mike Lawson, who I have known virtually now for many years. Um, and uh, I, I possibly need to get him on alive at some point. I'm sure it would be a very amusing experience because he has got a bit of a wicked sense of humor, hasn't he, your brother? Um, but anyway, I'd like to uh, welcome you uh, on the live. Julie, thanks very much for joining me today. I'm really um, excited to talk to you because you're out there doing something which I would love to do and have not yet had the, the I don't know, whatever it takes to do it, and lots of other people as well. Um, and uh, you are already a published author of both nonfiction and fiction, which I love. I love the fact that you're, you're an author of both. Um, and so just in a paragraph or two, Julie, let, just tell people who you are and what you do. Okay, well, it's lovely to be here, Joan, to actually talk to you but in person as well, it's brilliant because I've followed you for so long now and your content's absolutely brilliant. Um, I, I'm an accountant by profession, I've been all my career, um, and then I sort of had a bit of a, a revelation really about what I really wanted to do with my life when, when I hit my 50s, uh, and I turned to writing. And I first started out with um, thinking about head teachers who are given a multi-million pound budget without any training whatsoever. And so I wanted to help and use the knowledge that I'd gained throughout my career, which has been exclusively in education, um, to try and put that right and do something about it. And it was around the time when money was getting pretty tight and it's even worse now. So I, I started started doing that. Uh, but I, I do so many things. I, I love music. I, I enjoy singing. Um, the creative side of me never really came out properly until I started to write. I've always considered myself a left-brained accountant and very logical and practical. And so it's been quite a journey, really. I bet it has, yeah. I mean, um, my my sister is is a, an accountant um, or a part qualified accountant, I think, um, and her creative side shows itself in her garden. That's where, that's where she does all her creative stuff. But I love the fact that you say you didn't decide to do it until you hit your 50s and you thought, you know what, there's, there's more to life. There's more to yep. be go- I love stories like that because I think sometimes um, I'm in my late 40s now. I know lots of our community are sort of, you know, in their late over 45, 45 plus. Um, and I think sometimes we kind of get to a point where we think, can we can we start a bit of a new career now? Can we move in a new direction? And of course, the answer is absolutely yeah. yes. Um, so what made you decide writing, though? What was it about writing that uh, sort of caught your attention? Well, I've always been a voracious reader all my life. I was the child under the bedclothes with a torch when I was supposed to be asleep <laughs> reading. Um, but it was only really when um, I, I'm quite involved with our local church and um, we had a, a bit of a crisis with the building. We're on the northeast coast in England and we get the wind across from Norway and the side of the church wall had just been eroded the stonework was in the right state. So we had this uh, sort of, how can we raise 150,000 pounds, which then became 220,000 by the time we got all the quotes in. And I opened my mouth and said, 
we could write a parish history. There's loads of interesting material in the trunk in the vestry because I'm in the choir and, and I'd seen this. And they said, go on then. <laughs> and I, went, um. <laughs> and I, I didn't know until that point if I could write. So everybody was taking a huge gamble. Um, but once I got into it, it just fascinated me. Just, just I love the research because I've always been involved in family history and local history and so on, interested in that. And when I got into it, it just all sort of came together and it was fascinating. And it was, it was the moment when this was in 2012 we published it and it, it wasn't it, my audience wouldn't have been kindle owners at that stage it was very new so we did the traditional thing of just just getting a printer and printing so nine boxes of books arrived wow <laughs> felt incredible it was really powerful and that was the parish book that was the book you wrote for the church that was yes. the first one so that was the first book you wrote mm -hmm. and you and and you so you dug through all of the trunks in the in the church um offices or whatever and 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 found well, I all the yeah i did a lot of it online um family history right. enthusiasts are just incredibly generous in sharing yeah. things ended up right. with about 12 family trees on ancestry.com which none of which were mine right. <laughs> and i just right. I, the way i approached it was i looked at the stained glass windows and the furniture and the silverware and just investigated who'd given them and who they were and uncovered all these families and some just fascinating tales. And that was really what spawned the, or inspired the fiction side of it. Um, yeah. But that I had to wait until I was ready to do that because my work was still really busy at that point. Uh, I didn't, I took early retirement in 2015 and set up as a freelance. Um, and so that, so that sort of, I couldn't really get to that. I had a, a rough draft of a manuscript from about 2014, but I just had to set it aside and I was so busy setting up school financial success and doing the writing for school leaders. Back to that first parish book, though. Mm -hmm. So you you got it printed a regular printers, the cover mm -hmm. and everything as well, the, the whole shebang. You got the whole lot printed and, and sort of uh, yeah. created as a, as a physical book and delivered to your house, correct? Yes. yes, we did. It was it was a leap of faith by the vicar. <laughs> and how did we sell it? We sold them really quickly. Um, we well, we we, haven't, we we got five hundred. We just did a print run of five hundred. Okay. Um, we soon covered our costs and started making money for the restoration fund, which was great. But it was the feedback I got was just incredible. A lot of people who had links to the area and their ancestors lived here, and and loads of really interesting things. If we get onto the fiction, I'll tell you about one particular thing which has inspired my second book. Um, but, you know, it was just a wonderful experience of appreciation and that really fired me up and I thought, I've got to do this again. Fantastic. So um, you just sold them to your parish, just to members of the church and people that were, you well, know... From the well, local great. Uh, gone to America and Australia and New Zealand. <laughs> so, you know, and, and it's it's been really good. And it's something that we see it as a bit of a mission thing as well for church, you know, people to attract people in to find out a bit about the history. And it's useful when we get a new vicar <laughs> as well. Brilliant. I love it. Um, okay. So from that, you um, obviously found a love of writing. So did you, um, is that, at that point, did you start to write the books for the business matter, for the financial, what's it called? Sorry, hold on, where's your blog? I'm looking at the school financial success. Yeah. Did you start to um, write those books now? Yeah, um, we, I think I got, um, I was talking to a friend who's a school business manager and um, I was explaining this thing about, I'd really love to do this. And she was on maternity leave at the time and she said, oh, I've always wanted to write a book. <laughs> Aha, really, that's curious. Because <laughs> with my local authority experience and her direct school experience, it was a good mix. So yeah. we wrote three books between us. Um, I really led on most most of it. Um, we I, re I wrote the first and she contributed and edited she wrote the second and I contributed and edited and then I did most of most of the third and then she decided to drop drop out because she had another baby by that stage and okay. the academy so it got a bit much so I'm, I, I then became on my own so um, I'm right, I've just about to publish the fourth 
in, in that. And I've gone slightly, the first three are quite technical budgeting sort of books, but for the fourth one, uh, I've tried to make it more evergreen because it's just so difficult with nonfiction to keep stuff up to date if it's really technical, especially at the pace at which school funding changes. So yeah. the fourth one is productivity for school business managers or school business okay. professionals rather. Awesome. Um, that's that's been really enjoyable to write I've, I've loved doing that and i've just had the feedback from beta readers i've been absolutely blown away by it it's it's obviously very timely right now and, yeah and yeah i seem to have hit the right spot hugely well i mean just just school budgeting funding all that kind of stuff over the next couple of years is going to be huge isn't it i mean you know you can start writing budgets for small businesses and things like that as well i think um anyway okay so i'm gonna i'm just gonna get i just want to get some foundation and then i'm going to come back and and probe a bit deeper with some of these projects so we so we've done those books um which are non-fiction books um and i'm looking at them right now they're sitting on amazon right now i can see school budget mastery and forecasting your school's funding and leading a school budget review and i can see the portrait of a seaside patch which is awesome um, so then you published your non-fiction book, which is called, and I've lost my fiction. link to that one now. What's that one called? Fiction. Fiction book. Sorry, your fiction book, yeah, yeah. called? Borrowed Past. A Borrowed Past. And this was um, inspired by the work that you did for your parish book, correct? Mm. Yes, and I decided to go with a pen name for that. You did, yeah. You've gone to Juliet Lawson, which yeah. is um, you, uh, your maiden name, I'm guessing. Yeah, mm -hmm. as your brother. <laughs> no, it isn't actually. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. I'm my grandmother's assumption name. there. Never make assumptions. <laughs> my grandmother's name. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, so writing a, a fiction book must have been quite a quite a leap from writing your non-fiction books it certainly was yes <laughs> and i think i i sort of i don't know whether i resist i don't think i would say i would resist i was resisting it but i just found it a very different mindset and so i had to really work on the creative side of me and try and bring that out um i find it much harder but actually much i don't uh, it's not quite right to say it's not uh, not as rewarding, uh, more rewarding than the non-fiction because I think they are both very rewarding but in different ways. Um, so I, I I read a lot of books. I took a few online courses. You know, I'm I'm that sort of person that I need to research before I actually dip my toe in. I'm not one of those that just says, "Oh, I can just dive in and do this," you know, <laughs> and make lots of mistakes on the way. I like to soak up everybody else's. Uh, experiences and lessons learned uh, yeah. to try and try and do it in a you know a high quality way. Yeah. Okay. So I made lots of contacts um, as I knew because I'd indie published my non-fiction. I knew I was going to indie publish my fiction. It was just logical, um, yeah. and so I made set about just going to conferences and meeting up with people and getting to know who the sort of really successful people were at it, both on the craft side and the indie publishing side. Um, but I ended up investigating things like meditation and free writing and just going out into nature and finding, making time for myself, which was actually the best part of the whole process because I'm such a driven person in my sort of professional life. You know, I, I, I push myself, I set really ambitious targets and I just go, go, go for them. But it, I needed quiet and introspection almost to access that bit of me that could produce the words that this that, that fiction and historical fiction in particular needs. Uh, it was really quite into characters, haven't you? You've got to you've got to mm -hmm. kind of. Do, do you start with an outline when you write your book? Yes. Do you do you do you start with like the whole thing all mapped out and you kind of know you know exactly what's going to be happening through the book? So you've already got the story in your mind. At a, at a high level, yes. Um, there are two camps. There's a, there's plotters and pantsers, so the people who write by the seat of their pants and make it up as they go along. And I could never do that. I'm too logical and organised to, to even contemplate that. But I'm more towards the plotting end of it. But it wouldn't be right to 
outline it and just rigidly stick to that because it is a bit of a journey of discovery as you're doing it you know so I, I I had my first draft when I really didn't know what I was doing particularly and I did end up rewriting it I came back to it after two or three years and and, and just rewrote it but by then I had so much more knowledge about what character arc was you know there's different stages of the hero's journey there's all these different models you know that I'd, I'd researched and so on so I understood a lot more and I was able to map out the main points of the story that you need to achieve a satisfying read for the reader. And then within that, you have to let yourself have some flexibility because your characters, you know, might decide to go off in another direction. And I, I realised that I was telling too much or I was starting too early with a story, which is a common mistake that, that, that new fiction writers make. Um, you have to get into the action a bit more quickly. So I actually had to chop seven chapters out from the beginning when I rewrote it. Which was kill like, your darlings. That's what oh, they say, yeah. isn't it? Isn't that the what they also say? You have to kill your darlings. Yeah, I know. Gosh. So it's about, it's about sort of following it, following, following it, but not slavishly and, and turning and pivoting if you need to. Yeah. Okay. And did you find then that because you were writing, you'd get into the characters, did you find like, as you went about your daily um, other stuff that you were doing, that you'd find yourself kind of churning over the different characters and what they were, you know, and, and do they almost come alive to you, I guess, as you're writing the book, just through your normal day-to-day -day stuff, you're kind of thinking, you know, what would so-and-so do or say or whatever, do they all kind yeah, of come alive yeah. to you as you're writing? <laughs> In a way, yes, because what, what I found I needed was I needed to do some work on the book every day. Otherwise, when I was in the rewriting phase, because the benefit of that is it keeps it fresh in your mind. If you wait a week or two, you go back and you waste about an hour trying to work out where you were and wow. what was supposed to be happening next. So yeah. I tried to do it first every day, get up early get my words down first and the benefit of that is your subconscious is working on it during the rest of the day and yeah. you do have these aha moments usually when you haven't got a pen in your hat anywhere near or you know you're in the shower or something <laughs> and, uh, and and so yes you, you do find yourself thinking about it yeah and did you did you like say to yourself okay every single day i'm gonna write a thousand words or two thousand words or or no i'm gonna write a chapter each morning i mean did you go to bed at night thinking right tomorrow morning i'm gonna wake up and i'm gonna write this chapter or i'm gonna write x number of words how did you sort of structure it on a daily basis to give yourself the discipline to sit down and do that writing yeah i mean i i do my outlining just with post-it notes so I, I plot out you know put all my ideas on on post-its and then start arranging them into some sort of order and working out my main you know your plot points and mid midpoint and whatever and your climax and whatever um but then i i i know so i like to write in a linear fashion some people dot about and do different chapters according to how they're feeling, but I don't like to do that. I like to do it logically and in sequence. Um, but I had I created a, a friend of mine uh, who's now a published author. Um, she developed this um, don't break the writing chain uh, diagram. So it's just like a, a calendar sort of thing. And you colour in if you do your words each day. And yeah. so that like gamification, I suppose, you know, motivating myself not to break the chain to make sure I wrote every day. And that yeah. really, really worked. I also sort of analysed, being an accountant, analysed, you know, the time it was taking and the word count. And so I had a good idea of how long it would take me to finish it. But it, you can't really predict that because some days it's slow and some days it's fast. <laughs> and and how, how important, I mean, that sounds like that's a really key part of writing is getting into that habit of doing it every single day what would happen if you woke up for instance and you sat down to write and you just had no inspiration it just wasn't coming to you how do, how do you handle moments like that um I think it's I usually well I I have a, an annoying habit of going back and editing stuff and you shouldn't you should just steam through your first draft so if I was stuck I would go back and look at what I'd written yesterday and have a bit of a tinker with that. And usually that was enough to spur me on, but really you're not supposed to do that according to everybody else. But I just I just think it makes sense because if you decide that something's not quite right and you want to change it, that could affect what you're going to write next. Yeah. So so I that's that's what I tend to do. Or, you know, you can give yourself you can if you really, really are stuck, 
then it's far better to take a break and do something else rather than chew yourself up and get yourself in a state about it because that's not going to help your creativity, is it? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a big believer in what works for you. You know, I know that there are certain rules and structures which I think people should start to look at, but then if a certain rule or structure doesn't doesn't work for you, then change your approach and do what does work for you. Um, so your non-fiction then, just... just um, mm. The, did the same rules apply for that, Julie? Did you did again? Did you completely outline your book before you sat down to write it, so you knew exactly what you were going to write, and then get into a daily writing habit? Did the same rules apart from the major creativity stuff? Did the same rules apply? More or less, I would say. Um, I mean, when we were co-authoring the first three, we obviously had to outline them, so we both agreed what the overall shape of the book would look like, and then we might sort of share out. So although I led on the writing of the first one, um, you know, Nicola would sort of write one one particular section that was particularly pertinent to what she does, or you know, and so we would swap about like that. But yes, we did for the firm, and and it's just my natural way of working, really. I, I just I just like to see the overall shape, uh, and I use a writing a software called Scrivener which is absolutely brilliant because it allows you to just move scenes or sections around without you know if you tried to do that in word all the copying and pasting would drive you absolutely mad um, so, so it, it's really easy in Scrivener to rearrange things which they did I mean when with this productivity for school business professionals I've moved stuff around because I decided partway through it that actually I could group sections and I've created this pyramid. So you set the foundations of self-care in your mindset and then you, you try and organise the way you work and then I've got a maximised section which are sort of hacks and tips that really get you motoring and then taking action at the top. So I had to rearrange that. Um, so it doesn't, you know, again, just letting yourself have some flexibility in how, yeah. in how you approach it. Um, and and sorry to get into the real technical. I'm just, this is something that I personally am trying to get off my backside and start. You know, I've, I've got an idea for what I want my first book to be. And it's literally just starting, but I haven't actually done a full outline yet for it. I've kind of got an idea of what I want it to do, but mm -hmm. I haven't got that. So when you, when you actually do your outline, you said initially that you tend to outline on post-it notes. Mm -hmm. Do you then put that into Scrivener? Do you actually, because I've had a look at Scrivener and I've got a copy of it. Do you tend to then put the sort of chapters and the outlines into Scrivener? So as you're starting yeah. to write, you've kind of got it all laid out. Yeah. Yeah. So you, there's a corkboard function in Scrivener and that's like your high level description of what that chapter is going to be about. Um, so, you know, or your scene or section uh, within a chapter. So I, I use that first. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And do you do you have like a for your nonfiction in particular? Do you have a specific sort of rule in your head? Do you kind of go right? I know I, I want about ten chapters, and then in each chapter I'm going to have five sections. Or you literally just sit down and you say, right, these are the subjects I know I want to cover, and and however many chapters that is is however many chapters it is, and yeah. then these are the key things I want to cover in each chapter. And so you mm -hmm. kind of split each chapter up into those things, and then maybe even further if you've got very specific things. Is is that kind of how you layer it roughly? Yes, yeah, I, I think a chapter is as long as it needs to be to cover the subject. What I have done is I have broken things up into more than one chapter if it's looking unwieldy, if it's looking too long. Um, but with nonfiction, if you're breaking it up into sections, I don't think it matters quite as much, um, you know. And, and in you know, within if it's an ebook, then people can go back to the table of contents and jump to whatever section they want. They you know, want, it's yeah. easy to navigate. Um, and if it's a paperback, then, you know, they can flick through and, and find. So I, I just, I don't believe it that you should put restrictions on really. I think you just do yeah. what's needed. Do whatever feels right and, mm -hmm. and to get your point across. Um, and what what are the biggest differences have you found then between the non-fiction and the fiction and, and, and sitting down and, and writing these books? I think the non-fiction is obviously what I've done all my career. So it's just second nature. I know exactly what I want to say. I know, you know, the, the message and the purpose that, that I have in actually creating that book. And so it's much more logical and it's it's a stream, you know, a linear process, I would say. Um, whereas the fiction side is 
really creative, so anything goes, anything could happen. I'm much less confident about how it's going to look it when it's finished. <laughs> you know, I have a very clear vision from the nonfiction as to how that's going to look when it's finished and when what it's going to achieve. With fiction, it's it's complete guess as, as to what it would be like in the end and it might go through so many more iterations you know uh, I mean I went on a writing retreat um, a year ago in February um, and that really spurred me on to to get this rewrite done um, and I just from that moment I had a lot better idea of what it would look like. I'd had a manuscript assessment on it as well. Um, I feel I need a lot more support for writing fiction because, well, this is the first, this was the first one I'd done anyway. But I'm, and I have a much better idea now, now I'm embarking on book two. Um, so I, it's about finding your system that works for you, I think. And when it's the first time you do anything, you don't know what that system is, do you? You have to no, do it. I like it. Go, don't you? And did you have, um, did you have to, on your non-fiction, did you have to throw out your darlings in the same way or is that not quite the same? You know, you don't, you don't really, you kind of know roughly what you're doing and what you're talking about. You're already the expert. That's why you're writing the book. So essentially, you know, it's kind of, but with the non-fiction, I know you've already said that you had to literally sort of throw away your draft and completely rewrite. So that's, that's, is that the same or, or different? In no, no, the, the non-fiction is much easier in that respect. It's a lot clearer when you're setting out as to what you want to achieve and it's more about sort of thinking of things you've missed and putting them in rather than taking anything out i tend yeah. to i tend it's curious because i think i would say i underwrite my non-fiction but i overwrite my fiction okay why that is. <laughs> Interesting. yeah okay um and so did you literally have to dump an entire first draft of your fiction book did you did you start all over again or were you able to take elements of your first draft no i, I took elements but i did literally start a fresh um yeah. fresh document manuscript and i i just transferred across the bits the scenes that i knew i still wanted to keep so there was yeah. quite a lot there um but i actually you know the i the the line of the story changed completely because I thought of an interesting twist and you know it was uh, there were so many more things and the characters got more complex and I combined some characters so I had a couple of separate characters and I sort of combined them which was interesting yeah, um, interesting. yeah. and were you nervous when you published it were you nervous were you, were you Very yeah. <laughs> terrified <laughs> 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 Even though I'd had like I'd had a manuscript assessment and I'd, I'd had people re reading bits of it, not many because I was so frightened. <laughs> um, but I'd had the feed. I'd had regular online courses or workshops I'd done. You know, I'd had feedback. You can really write. You know, but I still didn't believe it, and it was just terrifying. <laughs> yeah. I bet. I can imagine. I think, oh, my gosh, you'd be like all that time spent doing it. And then you publish yeah. it. And you're like, oh, my God. What if everybody thinks yeah. it's rubbish? <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so I won't labor too much on the publishing. And the reason some people might might watch this and think, well, can we not talk more about the publishing? But I think that the biggest thing with writing a book that holds people back is actually writing the book. I think once you've actually written the book, then everything else almost becomes a a kind of a you know a, a moot point really because that's the most difficult bit is sitting down and actually writing the darn thing um but you talked about indie publishing just explain what you mean by that well it's where well, you don't go for a traditional deal you know i'm 60 i haven't got forever <laughs> to wait and find the right agent who just happens to think this is what they'd like and then they have to find a publisher that thinks it's just the right thing so indie is where you take control it's like indie musicians you know you you create your own book but it i i prefer indie publishing to self-publishing because if you're an indie you commission other people to do things like the cover design or the edit now i i haven't commissioned an editor because i am a book editor myself as well so and i'm so pernickety about grammar and punctuation and spelling <laughs> that you know i don't I, ah, I, I, so I know where to come when i need somebody to edit my book then <laughs> yeah really i'm doing one at the moment for a teacher who's uh, publishing a book to help newly qualified teachers oh, so right. I, okay. yeah. i've done one on rocket mail in india <laughs> which is really interesting but i do fiction as well fiction editing as well okay. um, 
So yeah, so so you you commission other people to do the bit. Some people commission others to format the book because you have to have the right files to give to Amazon and Kobo and Apple Books and whatever. Um, so it's about doing it professionally for me. You know, self-publishing has a bit of a bad press because there are authors who just throw a book out more or less the first draft. <laughs> Um, and, you know, they don't really pay much attention to the quality. So it's given it a bad reputation. But I follow, I'm a member of the uh, Alliance of Independent Authors, um, which is A-L-L-I, Ally. Um, and they, I follow people like Joanna Penn at thecreativepen.com and Mark Dawson's self-publishing formula. So there are some key people to follow and they are doing it right. And, and that's the model that I aspire to. So, so what's do, the, I've never heard of indie publishing then. So I've, I, all I, I thought there were only two routes. One was your proper publishing route, and then the other one was self-publishing. So what yeah. is the difference between indie and self-publishing then? Well, a lot of people use the terms interchangeably, um, but I, I just regard self-publishing as where you literally do it all yourself. Right, so, okay. You know, you are, you are doing everything, whereas I see indie publishing as more of a business approach to it. That you are, you want your 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 product to be as high quality as it can be, and you get professionals to help you in the journey. But you are still fully in control. And you know, I'm a I'm a businesswoman. I you know, I have I, I have a public I have two publishing imprints. I have School Financial Success Publications, and I have Seaton Crew Press for my uh, fiction because that way it doesn't appear as published by Amazon. It appears as published by me. Um, so you create those, do you? You create yeah. those yourself. You say that's my, that's essentially my publishing banner, and that's yeah. what my books are going to go on. So you yeah. could publish books for other people then. If somebody else yeah. didn't want to do that, but they wanted to essentially go under a published name, you could essentially mm -hmm. say, well, I'll publish your book if it's good enough. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh. How interesting. So you're almost creating your own little publishing company. Not You don't have to publish other people's, but when you become an author, you're not just publishing your book. You're almost creating your, your own little sort of publishing unit as well you can yes you can and some people have gone down that route um but you know it, really it's more than enough <laughs> that i'm coping with yeah. it to do it for anyone yeah, yeah. um but the, um, the community is incredibly supportive you know there's so much free information and and blogs and podcasts and online courses and a part of that is the reason why it's taken me so long actually to write the fiction because I, the, I would say the big mistake I made is in trying to learn everything first and then it changes you know because all the platforms change you know Facebook ads change and whatever and you you get quickly get out of date and really the best thing to do is finish the damn book as they say <laughs> you know damn book. find yeah. out what step is in the next step <laughs> yeah yeah and um when you came to publishing i know you said that you published on amazon you also published on something called ingram spark yes what, that's what, what what's that then? well ingram spark is the way you get your book into bookstores and libraries so they would not buy from amazon because they have a certain view of Amazon uh, damaging to the publishing industry, which it absolutely isn't because there's plenty of trad publishers on Amazon as well. But um, So the, the Ingram Spark is the print option. Um, okay. And so you, it's just another way of getting a print book. Um, but, yeah, that's how libraries have ordered some of my books. Um, wow. And do you have to pay for that then? Do you? No. Do you no, no, this is the beauty of it. Is it's all free. All that happens is that they take a small proportion of your royalties. So, yeah. you know, for a print book, you're probably going to get somewhere between fifty and sixty percent um, royalties. Um, an ebook on Amazon, you get seventy percent if it's priced above one ninety nine or above. Um, and with a trad deal, you'd be lucky to get ten percent. So that's the traditional publishing deal. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. 
wow, no wonder more people have flocked to doing, you know, their own their own publishing, really. Um, especially as, yeah, especially as these days, um, from what I can gather, again, I don't have any first-hand experience in this, but from what I can gather listening to other authors on podcasts, um, what they're saying now is even down the traditional publishing route, traditional publishers expect you to do so much of your own marketing. They, they will only really do a lot of marketing for you. I was listening to Mark Manson, actually, on a podcast, and he was saying that, um, you know, he had to prove that he could get like 10,000 pre-sales or something before they would do X. I know. And he was like, you know, it's, it's I've, I've had to build a big audience to do 10,000, you know, to be able to guarantee 10,000 pre-sales of my book. And then, and then they'll push it out to airports and this, that and everything else. Um but he's done that. He's built that audience. You know, he's mm. and so you think, well, why push it through a publisher then? Only to get ten percent. You might if you built if you've built your audience and you're doing your own marketing anyway, you might as well mm. publish it yourself and take the bulk of the yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and you know, in a, if you're with a traditional publisher, you will get a royalty statement and some money maybe twice a year. Whereas uh, indie, going indie, you get it monthly. There's a couple of months delay, but then you're getting it monthly. Um, but also, you know, I, I just think the the it's about the gatekeepers, you know, and if you're chosen, that's fine. I have a lot of friends who are traditionally published and it's all they've ever wanted and that's absolutely fine. There's room for both. But one friend, um, she had to organise her own book launch and she lives up in the northeast where I am and the publishing world's very London-centric. And they, they said they couldn't find a London bookshop that would host the launch, so she couldn't have one. So she organised her own up here. Wow. <laughs> Went to Preston Park Museum and, and had a lovely launch and, and there were loads of people there. And she just, oh, I said to it, you only have one debut. So, yeah, yeah. so you're absolutely right to do it yourself. But yeah, yeah, you have to do a lot. Because they have a marketing budget to throw at the, the big authors, you know, yeah. and... Your first one might get a lot, but then it tails off. So, yeah, you have to do an awful lot yourself. So there's, there's not much difference in that respect. Do you think it's a status thing? Do you think that's why people still go down the traditional publishing route? Because of the kind it's of, you know, the it gives them? Yeah. Validation, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, you know, it's 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 sort of that approval that, yeah. that, that people want. Um, but I'm I'm a control freak. And I wouldn't like somebody else deciding on my cover if I didn't like it. Uh, and we know the story needs to go in this direction. You know, you, you retain creative control. And for me, that's important. Um, yeah, yeah. And timing, timing wise. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm trying to think when I started the last book. The last book I started probably in about October time, I think. Um, and I've, I've published my fiction in between. So most of my time um, between sort of November and February was was getting that the fiction book finished and out. Um, but this one, you know, you can publish so quickly. Yes, yeah. it's ridiculous. <laughs> And how long did it take you then to? So how how long roughly are your one of your non-fiction books, for example? How many pages? Um, I'll have, to have a look. Um, <laughs> uh, about 100, 125 pages ish. Okay, and that takes you roughly how long to write one of those? Well, it varies really. The trouble is, I'm doing so much, so many different things that you know I'm portioning my time out between them so it's not like I, that's all I do for a month or something like that you know yeah, so yeah. it's very difficult for me to get drink yeah yeah um and what does um becoming a published author give you Julie what kind of benefits uh do you feel that that publishing your books on Amazon have given you well, I think from my non-fiction point of view, um, because I run a consultancy as well, I'm scaling that down a bit um, because my husband retired last September and wanted to do a bit more, or did want to do a bit more travelling. <laughs> Look what happened. Um, but, um, you know, I speak at conferences and it's really useful. It's sort of um, symbiotic, I think, that, that because you have a book out, you are asked to speak at conferences. But when you speak at conferences, the fact that you have a book gives you authority to speak um you know it, and it's 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 sort of I get, I get spiking book sales when i speak to conference it's that no yeah. like trust thing isn't it you know if they see you and they hear you speaking then you know they're more likely to think oh right oh she knows what she's talking about let's have a look at this <laughs> um yeah. so I, I, and and it's just very very satisfying uh, it's for me it's 
it's not so much about the money it's about giving something back from having had a fantastic career that i've loved and i see people now under much more pressure even more pressure i mean i was under a lot of pressure in the latter stages of my career but it's just crazy now and particularly for schools yeah. and i just want to help them to thrive and, and enjoy their career the same way as, as i have because education means everything to me yeah and that that satisfaction what, what what I like, I think that's what's driving me to want to write my book. It's that desire to just be able to share my experiences in the hope that somebody else will be able to pick it up, read it, and then take their own action from that. Yes. Um, not necessarily having to make the mistakes or, you know, trip over in some of the places I did, be able to just take you know, some of those things and say, right, oh, okay, I get, I mean, I understand that. Now I can go and take action and do that. Or, oh, that's inspired me to go and do that. Or, so, so I, I totally get that. Um, and I think that's sort of the main driver, that satisfaction of knowing that you have the knowledge and you've been able to go and share that and hopefully help somebody be able to solve a problem through that. Yeah, it's its own reward in a way, you know, yeah. and, uh, and the money is the icing on the cake, I guess, you know. yeah. Um, and it, it's a lot of a lot of work and a lot of effort, but I just can't stop doing it. <laughs> it's, it's very addictive, so beware. <laughs> once you your, get into this, what's your plans moving forward? That was gonna that's gonna be my next question. What are your? Is it gonna be more non-fiction, more fiction? Are you? Do you love them both, and you fully intend to pursue them both with gusto, or are you focusing on one or the other? I love them both, and I like to mix. And for me, the non-fiction is a bit of a palate cleanser, almost. Well, you know, after I've done fiction, it's nice to get back to that refreshing, logical, I know what I'm doing here sort of, sort of job. Um, but I am going to do some online courses. Uh, I've got one sort of half prepared. So as I say, I've been dotting about, you know, I, I have a, a short attention span. <laughs> so I'm, uh, I'm starting to put those together because for me, they, you know, I, I love everything I do. This is the trouble. I don't want to give anything up. Uh, and, in, in, you know, I keep sort of stretching it a bit. <laughs> but yes, yeah, yeah. so I'm going to do some online courses. So I'm, instead of doing the consultancy, which would take me around the country and, you know, I, and I would be doing quite technical work quite often, um, I'm scaling that down because I love the writing so much and I can do that from anywhere. <laughs> are you taking from anywhere? Are you, yeah, exactly. You can, we can, who can write from anywhere in the world? Um, are you taking the technical stuff that you would do in your consultancy, and are you trying to put some of that into an online course so that you're able to? Is that is that what you're doing with your online courses? Um, sort of. The thing is that a lot of my um, a lot of my consultancy work is with local authorities as well as right. schools. And there are only 150 local authorities in England. So it's not a, a particularly productive to, to do something for that few customers. Um, yeah. so, whereas there's 24 and a half thousand schools in the country. So yeah. it will be more on the school side of it. But yes, a lot of the things that I help schools and academies in financial difficulty. Um, and one of the several strands of work that have come out of consultancy assignments that I think could be developed better in an online course than in a book where they're very practical and you need to demonstrate certain things. So the, the first one's actually going to be developing an income generation strategy because um, school funding is rubbish in England at the moment. It's been in a right stage for years and schools are really struggling. So looking at how to be strategic about it. But there's, there's any number of, of uh, subjects in school funding and finance that lend themselves to courses. So there's a lot of scope, I think, there. And it's more interactive. You know, it's uh, it's just quite daunting. I don't particularly like seeing myself on screen, <laughs> but uh, it, it, I'm looking forward to, to doing it just as something different. Well, two quick things. First of all, um, I would never in a million years have thought you were 60. So you look absolutely <laughs> Secondly, you look fab on video. We all hate each other on camera and you look great. So, you know, it's, it's, it's all good. You're, you're dealing with a fear that, that probably 99% of us suffer yeah. with. Oh, my God. I can't stand myself on camera. Um, but um, I think this is really important what you just said there, especially in the current climate. I really feel that so many people who 
um, perhaps over the last few months have hit desperation point because they're like, how the, how on earth, what am I going to do with my business? You know, my, my business is a face-to-face -face business. It's a consultancy business. It's a, you know, business to business or whatever. And I, and I would urge anybody who, who catches this or watches this, this uh, video at any point, if you are in that business, is there any way that you can take an element of that business online? Mm -hmm. So like Julie is saying, you know, part of what she's doing with schools can now be done in an online course, which all of a sudden means it can be done from your front lounge. You can record the video, you can put it online, all of that, you can reach even more people than you could reach one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and it is something you can do from wherever you happen to be. So I think that's really important in the current climate that businesses think about how they can take an element of what they're doing and be able to put it online like that, either through a course or through books or even through, you know, some kind of consultancy, you know, online. I think um, big shift in the mindset over the last few months with what's going on in the world. Um, so, Julie, it's just been phenomenal to talk to you. Um, I just want to say that people can go and find you all over the place. So if you are a school and uh, you're thinking about your school budgets and stuff, then you can go to schoolfinancialsuccess.com. That's where Julie's um, school information is. You can find... Julie at julietlawson.com as well. That's her personal blog. And I'll put all these links um, with this video wherever you happen to be watching this, whether on Facebook or on YouTube or on the blog or listening to the podcast, you'll have all the links um, in the post there. Um, the uh, fiction book is A Borrowed Past, if you want to go and check that out on Amazon. And also if you just go to Amazon and look up Julie Cordoner, you'll find all of her um, school financial success books there as well. Um, plus you are on Facebook. So I'll put the links as well to your Facebook page. And I was actually looking at your Facebook page earlier today. Um, and, uh, I went off on a bit of a rabbit hole, um, and cause it's something I've never done before and started looking at all the other authors online and what, what are they posting on their Facebook page? Cause I was looking at yours and I was like, okay, what do authors post on their Facebook pages? What do they talk about? You know, other than their books. Um, and uh, and so I've got some tips. I've got some some things I'd love to share with you at some point. Possibly not now because we're running out of time. Um, but just to help you, I noticed that you've got a reading club. You started a reading um, club. Is that like a, a Facebook group as part of your Facebook page? No, it's uh, it's my newsletter list. I just wanted to call it something a bit more attractive to readers than a mailing list. So uh, I've got yeah. a Juliet Lawson Reader Club. So that's where I, I send out a monthly newsletter. Um, yeah. A bit more personal than the blog. Um, but the blog is good because I write historical fiction uh, sagas. Um, the blog is where I put, can put loads of photographs, whereas you can't do that in, in an email uh, newsletter. So the newsletter is more sort of informal. Um, yeah. So that, that's how that is. It's, it's very, very new and very small, small and select at the moment. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I was I was going to just a couple of quick suggestions before we go, just if 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 they help at all. But one of the things I was thinking is because you're um, obviously you want to build a uh, you want to build a list and a group of people who are interested in reading, you know, and maybe even writing as well. Um, that a Facebook group might be a good way for you to go, um, and and the kind of things that you can post, I always find are. That I get very interested when other authors will post about other authors as well. So it's like you're in a collaboration of chatting all about different books. So if you you're in if you're in the historical saga niche, mm -hmm. then things that you can do is you almost create a little book club. Do you know what I mean online yeah. where you're chatting with people about different historical sagas and chapters you've read and you can talk about characters and how people have delved into characters and all things like that all the while building lots and lots of conversation with people so that when you bring out book two they're ready for yours you know they're, yeah, they're that's really helpful it's something i've thought about because um i do intend to get into facebook ads to drive people to my mailing list um and so i've got my facebook page but yes i think a group is is probably a good way of doing that there there are a member of some historical fiction groups, but having your own is is 
beneficial, isn't it, in being able to to drive people uh, to your to your sign up and, and so on. So, another yes. tip then for Facebook ads. Just another quick tip for Facebook ads. This is actually something I'm going to be doing on Instagram because I to totally saw um, somebody else doing it recently and thought, oh, that's a good idea. Um, and something you might want to do on your Facebook page um, is a book giveaway, like a monthly book giveaway. Mm -hmm. Mm, um, yeah, and yeah. Uh, for me, because I'm going to be doing a nonfiction book all around, you know, lifestyle businesses, then for me, it makes sense for me to give away things like Tim Ferriss's four hour work week yeah. or Isaac's yeah. written yeah. Care Porter. But for yeah. you, you might every month give away two historical saga books, you know, yeah. and, and yeah. in order to enter, they need to come and like your Facebook page, join your Facebook group and oh, sign up for the Readers Club. You know, yeah. now yeah. you're getting likes, group members Ooh. and mailing list people and that's all they have to do to enter and then each month you'll randomly pick somebody or two people in your send out and it's going to cost you what 20 bucks or whatever a month in in fees to buy the books and send them out via amazon but mm -hmm. you're then targeting really specifically people who like historical sagas which yes. is exactly yeah. what you write that's a really good idea because that that's the challenge really it's to to get your readers isn't it and that that mm. focuses it down very much i like that mm. That's the only people that are going to enter if are going to be people who want those specific books yeah. and if those books are in your niche then you know that they're readers of that very specific niche i love that idea yes. yeah, yeah. That's great. thank you yeah I've, I've not i've not dared look at instagram because i've got I've, you know I'm, I'm i'm running so many duplicates of newsletters and blogs and <laughs> facebook yeah. groups and so on Stay, stay just stick with one or two yeah stick with facebook you know i think for now i'm still trying to get my head around instagram but yeah i'm i'm, I'm not there yet i'm still a facebook girl i still haven't really determined as well julie the benefits of a group versus a page yet or a page versus a group i really haven't lots of people keep talking about the fact that facebook are are you know um putting more emphasis on groups so that's kind of why I think we need to be sort of heading towards a group, but I haven't tested it yet to really determine, and that's kind of what I'm hoping to do in the next week. You need a page to advertise, don't you? Yes. Yes, you have to have a page to advertise. But um, but anyway, anyway, we can, we'll can talk more about that in the Your Lifestyle Business community. If anybody watching is not a member of the Your Lifestyle Business community, make sure you come and join. Um, and, uh, and I will put all the links to um, Julie's, um, books and pages and blogs and everything with this video. Um, Julie, just to end with, do you have any tips? What would what would you say would be your biggest couple of tips or just one big tip for any would-be authors, would be, wannabe writers? Just do it. <laughs> you know, it, it's something that generates a lot of angst, I think. But I think unless you try, you're never going to know if you can do it. And I really wish I'd started sooner. So I think just go for it. You can learn an awful lot and it's just hugely rewarding when you actually crack it. Um, so just, yeah, just do it. That's it. Well, you told me, make it happen. <laughs> I need to take my own advice, make it happen. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for today. It's been great to get you on a live and really good to talk to you face to face. That's been yeah. brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been a brilliant opportunity and I'm just really, really happy that you asked. It's been brilliant. Thank you. All right. Well, stay there because I'm going to end the broadcast, but it doesn't end our little video. So thank you very much, everybody, for watching. I hope that that has been useful to you. If you are wanting to write your own book, then do make sure you take on some of the fantastic gems that Julie shared with us today and um, get your head down and uh, make it happen. Just do it, as Julie said. And uh, I will see you on our next live. Thank you very much. Take care. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. To join in the conversation, please head over to yourlifestylebusiness.com where you can find links to podcasts, show notes, and sign up to download my free ebook, How to Build a Business You Can Run, from anywhere in the world. Also, make sure you come and join our Facebook community. Just search for Your Lifestyle Business on Facebook and you'll soon be sharing ideas with like-minded entrepreneurs all on the same journey. Lastly, if you have a moment, please subscribe and quickly rate this podcast on iTunes. It takes a tenth of a second to hit the little stars and your rating will ensure it gets out to more people and impacts as many as possible with the message, make it happen. Thank you so much. See you next time.